Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson, and today, as we start our study in Judges, well, start, we had an introduction, but this is like the first real one. As we start our in- study of Judges, we're going to be looking at the first chapter. It's pretty long, so we're not going to read the chapter in its entirety, but as we do read, the scripture quotations are coming from the New International Version, and I encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study. So, today, I'm going to summarize this chapter first, because it's narrative, so you can summarize it pretty easily. So, basically what happens is, Joshua has died, and so the Israelites are in the process of doing the finishing touches of taking over the land, and the land being the promised land. And so, they do that, they have success at first, but eventually they start compromising, you know, they get turned away, they may put some of them into captivity as opposed to, you know, totally annihilating them, that's what's happening, this slow but steady kind of deterioration of what they're doing, and it really ends up with the back half looking at I believe it is, let's see, it's verse 30-something. <laughs> um, it is 34, that's what it is. The Amorites confined the Danites to the hill country, not allowing them to come down into the plain. And so that's really where we end up, where they're not only putting them into slavery, but they're also being, you know, like the Israelites, not only do they put people in slavery as opposed to annihilating them, they actually get turned away by some people. And so, our first point today is that God has given the people of Israel the land. And so, you may be like, well, then how did they get turned away? Well, hold your horses, we're going to get there. So, first, let's look at Genesis 17, 8. As I talked about in the introduction to Judges, to understand this narrative, we need to know the whole broad spectrum of scripture, and that's starting at the Abrahamic covenant. Read, listen to 17.8. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, talking to Abraham, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Okay, so we see there that the promised land, it's not only a Mosaic promise, you know, where Moses brought him up to the promised land and Joshua, but it's an Abrahamic promise as well. So the land was there for the taking for the people of Israel. So a quick question, and it would not be right for us to skip this, and that is why did God give away other people's land? You know, the people of Canaan were living there, obviously. It was their land. Why did God take that away and annihilate them? You know, God told them not to spare anyone, women and children included. Why did God tell them to do that? That's a really tough question. Well, speaking of the land, we need to realize that all land is God's land. So God can just tell someone to leave and they have to do it because God owns the land. You know, it's as simple as that really anything that we have is given to us by God you know it's it belongs to him if we give if we let someone borrow our car for example we can ask for it back and they have to give it back because it's not their car and the same applies to this land and now getting to the question of life it gets a little bit more tricky you know but the same principle is true all life is God's life You know, God doesn't owe us another day. God doesn't 
isn't entitled or we aren't entitled to live for a certain amount of time, you know, every second that I breathe, God has given it to me. Every breath I take is given by God. And the same is true for everyone on earth, whether Christian or not Christian. And while God has the right to kill anyone he wants at any time, he doesn't have the habit of wiping out entire civilizations. So, you know, we're talking about this in theory. You know, God has the right to do that. But if you look around, you know, let's say, I don't know, you know, like America, God hasn't decided, you know, all right, I'm wiping this country out. You know, we don't see that often. So what caused this, where he actually does say, Israel, I want you to wipe out the land of Canaan. What caused this? So it was the sin of the Canaanites. This actually was a judgment. Listen to Deuteronomy 20, 16 through 18. Deuteronomy was given as they're right about to enter into the land. Deuteronomy, it's almost a summary of the first four books of the Bible. Well, especially the first, the ones after Genesis, um, Numbers or I'm getting out of order, whoops, <laughs> Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. I was going backwards. But anyways, I'm getting off point. So let's just read Deuteronomy 20, 16 through 18. However, in the cities of the nations, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. You do not leave alive anything that breathes. Completely destroy them. The Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Otherwise, listen to this. They will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do in worshiping their gods, and you will sin against the Lord your God. God was using the people of Israel to judge the people of Canaan, okay? God actually does something similar to this against Israel with the people of Babylon, where God uses Babylon to punish Israel. So it's not unprecedented, and we get a more depth, more in-depth view from Israel's perspective here. You know, obviously the Old Testament is written from Israel's perspective. So you can understand what the Canaanites felt like when you read through, you know, Isaiah, where the people of Assyria came to the front door and that was almost like, you know, a wake-up call. And then obviously the people of Babylon just ransacked the whole place. You know, that's where we get that picture of what it's like for the people of Canaan. And so we need to be cautious as we apply this passage. So now we've, hopefully that was helpful in answering why God gave away this people's land and why he had them all killed. But we need also to have some caution as we interpret this passage. You know, God had already won the battle for the people of Israel. They just needed to have the courage to fight it in taking this land. They, we do need to realize, though, that this does not apply directly to us today. So do not go and name and claim your victory over whatever you're struggling with. That's not how this works. You know, God is not saying, we're not supposed to apply this passage and say, well, you know, I'm sick. So if I name this victory, I'm going to get better. That's not necessarily the case. You know, God may want us you know, to be sick. Maybe he wants us to experience some real pain so that he can use that for his long-term purposes in our lives. You know, we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him, but he has not told us what that good is. Whereas with this people of Israel, he explicitly told them, you're going to take the land. You know, that was clearly stated. And so, 
obviously the people of Israel had a little bit more insight into what God's plan for them was. And so they could go up and do, you know, they all they needed was the courage to do what God had told them. And so we too have some clarity in what God wants us to do through God's word. You know, if God tells us to, you know, go and make disciples, we absolutely need to go and make disciples, even if we can't see how we're going to do it, even if it looks impossible. We need to do as God commands us. And so it is a gross misappropriation of this text to make it mean that you will have victory over all your problems. You know, that's not what this is here for. It's not what it's saying. This is not proscriptive. It is descriptive. It's describing events. So don't say, you know, all right, now I'm going to, you know, name it and claim it. That's not what this is about. The way really one of the biggest meaning of this passage is that it foreshadows into our lives what Jesus has done for us. He's earned our inheritance, like this promised land, for us. Jesus earned it. Jesus got the victory. All we have to do is believe and we get that glorious future with him. There's so many pointing to the people of God now in the book of Judah. We have so much parallelism, you know, how the people of God struggle when they don't have Jesus' leadership. And so throughout this passage, I want you to not say, you know, okay, if I go out and I, you know, like looking at Gideon, you know, the point of the passage, it's not, you know, if I put a bunch of signs before God, he's going to answer them. That's not why the story is there. The story is there to show that God, you know, uses broken people. And it's pointing us to that redemption story. You know, not just how God is the answer to our, you know, little problems. You know, that's not what it is. God cures the sin problem and makes us right with him. And so, as we study through Judges 1, we also need to see that Israel failed ultimately to take all of the land. So Israel had the whole land open to them, yet they ended up compromising. How did that happen? Notice as the passage progresses that we see the deterioration of the conquest. So let's trace this failure. Look at Judges 1.19. They were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had chariots fitted with iron. So the advanced weaponry of the people, that wasn't the problem. It was the fear in the hearts of the people of Israel. Had they truly trusted their God to provide, they would have remembered that God had literally leveled the walls of Jericho. Chariots are not going to stop God. He literally changes time, turns the sun back to help his people win battles. The chariots are not the problem. He literally could melt the chariots. This is, I really hope you're seeing this. Apparently the people of Israel didn't. So I want to make this clear to you. I hope you don't, you don't have the lack of faith that the people of Israel did. Okay. That's not the problem. It is their lack of faith. How often do we fail to remember God's providence because of our fear? You know, we try and, you know, earn our salvation our own way. You know, when God has given us salvation in Jesus, we need to remember what God has done for us and go that way, 
not trying to do our own thing, you know, put people into captivity like the people of Israel did. That's not how we need to do it. And finally, I want to briefly talk about the danger of compromise. Okay, God had told the people of Israel not to spare anyone in the land, yet time and time again they compromised. Compromise in regards to obeying God's word is never acceptable. When we halfway obey, we fail to demonstrate we trust in God. And as we study through God's word and hear what he says to us, we need to act on his commands completely. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at our website, adoptedbelievers.com, for episodes and other resources. And like us at Facebook at Adopted Believers.